It's funny. People always be like, don't forget about the little people. It's like, why do they refer themselves as little anyway, you know? Why don't you just get big with me? Feel me? They can see it in my eyes. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Johnson's Title Podcast, a partner of MoshPitNation.com. This week's guest is Craig Owens, formerly of Chiodos, formerly of the band Drugs, currently of Bad Channels. This interview, interestingly enough, uh, happened uh, this past week, actually, a couple of days ago for me. And what was interesting is I, living here in Michigan, I've been very aware of Craig's career, mainly in Chiodos. Uh, interestingly enough... It was kind of hard when Chiodos was coming up and getting big for a lot of the local bands not to be sucked into trying to sound like Chiodos. So uh, in the short time that I played in bands, I definitely saw what impact Chiodos had on our local scene here in Michigan, as well as seeing what the band obviously went on to do on a, on a national inter- international sense. But it was always interesting because I've always known people who have known Craig for a while, and obviously, you know, when you see somebody like that, that's kind of from your, your local scene of sorts, kind of achieve all this success, it kind of creates a, a, a very, like, fabled kind of sense of who that person is. You know, the stories you hear about this person without ever having met that person kind of makes you feel like you know who they are without knowing them. And... I've only met Craig one other time before this, and that was actually at the Warp Tour uh, in Detroit when the Chiodos was like the special, you know, band that hopped on for that specific date. Uh, Craig actually ended up uh, asking me about my half sleeve at the time and who had done it. And the interesting thing about it is, you know, anyone who knows Craig knows that he's heavily tattooed himself. Uh, so the fact that I had this like half done piece, which was only basically outlining and some shading. Uh, and the fact that it kind of stopped me to, to ask me about it was was interesting. Um, but I've always kind of remembered that uh, because, you know, shortly thereafter, he uh, ended up having some issues uh, and ended up leaving the band. And uh, shortly thereafter, that's when, you know, drugs started coming into play, as in the band. Um, but it's it's one of those things where, you know, my, my one and only brief interaction with Craig, you know, was very... Uh, kind of honest and, and, and sincere, you know, the fact that he would just kind of seek me out to ask me about that real quick. Because, uh, I mean, a dude who's kind of covered in tattoos himself doesn't typically <laughs> need to come to somebody else with a with a partial half sleeve that's not even finished and uh, ask about it. But uh, I kind of remember walking away and just kind of being like, wow, that was interesting and uh, really nice. Um, and kind of something that I've also taken with me as I've gotten into collecting tattoos of sorts. Uh, and when I see art that I enjoy, I kind of remember how Craig, you know, approached me about it and didn't make me feel weird. Uh, because that's something as someone with tattoos, you definitely get weird vibes from a lot of people who, who come to you and ask about them. Uh, I've had people come to me in the mall and, uh, you know, want to know who did what. Or I've had people grab my arms uh, to look at everything a little bit closer. Uh, I've had people, you know, when I'm wearing like a t-shirt or whatever, and maybe it's got like, you know, you can see a little bit of my chest piece or whatever coming through. Uh, I've had people kind of like go to pull my shirt down a little bit and ask what's going on there. Um, so, I mean, there, there's just, <laughs> there's all kinds of weird people who uh, who approach you oddly uh, when you have a lot of tattoos. Uh, so, I mean, the fact that Craig, you know, 
was like, hey, I, I couldn't help but notice, and uh, it looks really cool, and you know, I, you know, wanted to know who did it. Um, so I mean, it's one of those that like I've always kind of taken that same approach uh, to asking people about their tattoos when I see them. Um, so it's it's kind of funny that that's that's something I took away from my one interaction with Craig beforehand. Uh, interestingly enough, though, before getting this chat set up, uh, I was involved in a, in a Facebook group, and Craig's new publicist actually was. Uh, posting that, you know, Craig had a new project, uh, Bad Channels, and that, uh, you know, they were looking to try to drum up some press for the new project. And I felt like an asshole because I was like, this isn't a new project. This project has been around for about a year and a half. And I kind of realized that potentially with me living here in Michigan, like I said, and with having, you know, Craig was recording some of this stuff at uh, Studio 37, which is owned by Matt Dalton, uh, who runs, you know, a, ran, I should say. I don't think the festival is going to be going on anymore. Uh, but ran Dirt Fest. Uh, he owns a studio that gets in a lot of bigger clients, bigger name clients. Uh, I know, like, Amir has recorded there and so forth. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things, like, where if you follow Craig on Snapchat, uh, Craig Blowens, by the way, which you'll hear the story about that in the interview, but that Craig has been kind of immersed in our back in our local music scene between, you know, another other another friend that I know between another person that I know owning a recording studio and Craig's, you know, laying down vocals in it and so forth. Uh that I've just kind of been very aware of what Craig's been doing, even if it's more on a peripheral level, uh, without me being actively engaged in what Craig has been doing with bad channels. And so I'm not sure how much of the knowledge I have on this project is because of me living here or the fact that you know, I just kind of always follow band dudes into a lot of the different projects that they do. Um, I'm, I kind of like a lot of different music. So sometimes when a band person splits off and does something different and a lot of fans are like, what the fuck is this? This sucks. I'm usually like, man, this record's awesome. And, and it kind of gives me more insight into who that person is as an artist. And when you go back and listen to the main thing, uh, you kind of start seeing some of the influences of, of these other genres or other projects that these people are into kind of seep through a little bit more. Like, you're like, oh, okay, well, that's where this this thing comes from. Uh, so I think it allows you to kind of get a, a more fuller picture and a full, fuller representation of uh, the person as an artist. And I think Craig is one of those people who, if you've ever followed him in the various projects that he's been involved in, I think you can get a sense that he is a very wide-ranging artist in every sense of the word. Um like I said, between Chiodos, between drugs, uh, between, you know, bad channels and, and even Beast, you know, the grindcore record he just dropped randomly uh, about a year or so ago. Uh, I think it really kind of shows the many facets of Craig as a as a musician. And uh, so as a result of that, you know, I, I thought I kind of ruined my chance to uh, to talk to Craig because I was interested. And I had actually reached out to Craig about a year ago uh, when bad channels really was kind of first starting. But obviously that didn't really go anywhere. Uh, but I actually think it worked better in my favor because it gave me more time to get into Bad Channels with the EP that Craig put out, uh, the YDFML, and to kind of see where Craig has been going in a newer sense of direction with like songs like Blue Abyss and so forth, uh, and really getting to delve into the Spotify, I'm sorry, not Spotify, the SoundCloud playlist that Craig kind of curates with a lot of different artists and so forth. And I think it actually allowed me to talk more in depth about what bad channels is from my perspective and where I think, you know, Craig's coming from with it. Um, so I think, 
uh, even though I thought I shot myself in the foot being sort of an asshole about it, uh, as far as tone on a Facebook post, um, my point wasn't necessarily to shit on the dude or whatever, uh, Ray, by the way, uh, but it was more a fact of sometimes, like, you know, I, I think it's weird that the music industry as a whole sometimes will push something as being new, and it's not new. You know, Times of Grace, you know, like when Times of Grace was kind of coming out, Killswitch, or Adam D and Jesse from Killswitch of Fame was kind of coming out. It was like, oh, here's this new project. And it's like, well, eh, it kind of is. But I don't know. There's, it's, it's just always interesting to me that, that a lot of things get deemed with the label new, even though this thing could have been around for, you know, three, four, five years in a different capacity than it currently is and i think bad channels has existed in the underground and and maybe it'll stay there maybe that's kind of where critic wants to keep it but what's interesting to me is the fact that you know everyone's just now finding out about this project that i've known about for a little while and you know we end up talking about that a little bit so craig though couldn't have been nicer uh i've you know wasn't sure how this was gonna go um he, you know, I was given a little bit of time, and and we ended up kind of going a little over that by a little bit. But I think as you'll hear, like we just really kind of had a good time connecting. And interestingly enough, sometimes when I have these conversations with people, uh, I feel like sometimes like I word vomit stuff a little bit, or that like things that I I'm paying attention to within the context of an artist's music, maybe I'm reading too much into, and. I know I can be really overbearing with that shit sometimes. Like, you know, in this, I'm going to talk about Imogene Heap. And, you know, I have fucking talked about that album and her music so much on this podcast. Uh, it's because I really love that music. And I think she is an amazing artist in every sense of the word. And I think more people should be aware of, of her stuff. And it, it's been really cool, actually, in the last little bit. I'm starting to find small pockets of people who actually know who she is. And agree with me, and we can kind of nerd out about her music. And uh, Craig, at the end, you know, he he was very much aware of who who she was, and very aware of her music. And so, as a result, I uh, kind of got to finally like connect with someone on that level. Uh, actually, another guest that uh, I'm looking to have on in the next couple of months, maybe. Uh, we were just talking on Facebook uh, about just different shit, like the the writing process of what they're going through right now and uh, just some stuff. I'm trying to be very vague for a reason. Um, but that basically I was sharing some music with this person uh, as an example of some of the things that we were discussing. And it kind of dawned on me for an instant. I was like, fuck, I don't know why I'm bothering you with like, you know, hey, you should check out this stuff and, and you should check out this this person and, you know, look for these things that I like about this this song or this album. Uh, maybe as a reference point for for you to to do what you're about to do, and I was I had to kind of check myself. I was like, "Yo, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to like bother you with all this shit." Like basically, uh, you replied back to my, a comment I made trying to set up a date. I should have just been like, "Yeah, cool, whatever." Uh, but you know, like this like ten fifteen minute long conversation just kind of happened, and it's one of those things where like, I feel like this is definitely the right medium for, for me to be involved in because obviously I like to talk and I like to talk to people about music. Um, but it was one of those things where it's like, you know, as you're, you're talking to some of your musical, I guess, idols per se, 
um, I don't think that's the right word, um, but people that you've definitely looked up to for a long time for a lot of different things and who have had a, a really big impact on your life uh, through their words, through their music, is kind of surreal. And definitely sharing and nerding out about music has kind of been surreal with, uh, with Craig a little bit. And, you know, talking with Craig in this interview, it was just crazy for me to like say, like, I'm, I noticed this. And maybe I'm reading too much into it. He's like, no, dude, like, you're fucking, you get it. And it kind of, you know, just makes you feel good. Because, you know, and a lot of times where you feel like you're alienating people when you're nerding out about music as, as hard as I do sometimes, it's refreshing to actually be told that it's it's a good thing and, and not looked at as a bad thing. Um, so, yeah. So with all of that being said, I'm, this is basically just a, a really long-winded way of me saying that my interview with Craig was really awesome, and I really enjoyed the time with him. Uh, and I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. I know he's going to be doing a lot of press for Bad Channels, and there's seemingly a lot on the horizon for Bad Channels as a whole. So I think 2018 is going to be the year that a lot more people end up finding out about this band, what it means, and, and where it's going. Here's my conversation with Craig Owens of Bad Channels. So I uh, have the pleasure of talking with Craig Owens of Bad Channels uh, and a slew of other projects. Uh, but if you know Craig Owens and you're listening for any reason, then mainly it's Bad Channels and you can you already know about the other bands. How are you doing today, Craig? I'm well. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Uh, how are you enjoying this nice Michigan weather we're having? <laughs> this is crazy. Actually, I uh, forgot. Uh, I'm in Grand Rapids. I think uh, from what I've seen, a lot of people, uh, Detroit and Lansing, have actually gotten snow and we have not. Oh, it's crazy. So is it, it really? Was, it was like 60 degrees out uh -huh. uh, yesterday, and I'm not even kidding. We've probably got seven inches of snow right now. It started falling like in in almost um, snowball form. It was, they were oh, so wow. big. <laughs> and now there's probably, yeah, probably a good seven inches. Shit. I, I know. I kept seeing everyone's Facebook updates and stuff, and I'm like, what the fuck's going on? Like, even, like I said, people in Lansing, and I'm like... It's like 60-something here, oh, about 58 or so, and it's nothing. <laughs> so it's Michigan. very weird. Yeah, very much Michigan. Um, but yeah, so Bad Channels, it's it's being dubbed as a new project, and I, and I felt kind of bad when your publicist actually put something on a, in a Facebook group I'm in. And I was like, how is this a new project? Like, I've known about this for about a year, year and a half, it seems. And uh, <laughs> I kind of realized that sometimes with, with people like yourself who are kind of based here in Michigan and in the Michigan scene, that sometimes maybe we're a little more uh, in on the on the project before it really is like on a bigger scale. Um, so I guess for those who may not have known that this has been around for as long as I, guess, as I have, how did this project come about? Well, it came about pretty naturally. There's no, you know, rehearsed answer or anything. Um, very, very naturally, I guess, there were a lot of reasons that kind of drew me to it, specifically, mm -hmm. mostly the modern sound design. Okay. I think the musicality and the delivery of, like, the voicing delivery, I guess, of singing. 
Right. Um, the whole appeal was just kind of exciting to me and new, but to be honest, you know, it, I don't, I don't really have like sit there and think of like, uh, you know, a plan or a this or a that. Um, a lot of the time when I sit down to write, I just write. And it makes sense because this is the style of music that I was predominantly listening to mm -hmm. um, and have been for quite some time. So when I sat down to write, it's, you know, it's no wonder that this, this is the sound that came out. What was kind of interesting to me is I kind of felt like maybe this was the writing was kind of on the wall when you started working with John Connor a little bit. Mm. Like, kind of working in this kind of vein a little bit, like, a, completely away from what you're known for. And to me, like, when this came out and everyone that knew about it was like, oh, this is so different. I was like, ah, I, I kind of feel like, you know, there was little little hints kind of dropping. Like, because I even think when you were talking about working with John, you had mentioned, like, this is kind of the avenue I really kind of want to go into is stuff sort of like this, this, you know, kind of different things musically than what you're used to seeing me do. So I kind of always felt like that was where kind of the beginning of this really started, sort of. Yeah, I wouldn't, you know, I, I, I definitely think that you're you're pretty close there. Um, John, definitely working with him, definitely opened up my mind to different songwriting styles um, that, you know, I hadn't really come in close contact with before. Mm -hmm. And... Then, not long after that, I started working with John and Dr. Dre, and the whole thing kind of evolved from there, and I started viewing songwriting, I guess, just a little bit different than I had previously. Previously, it was more about friends in a garage or a practice space, right? and you know, you kind of build it up and do it together. When you get bigger, it becomes a studio, it becomes a brand, yes. and anybody that knows me knows that I try to run from any sort of branding <laughs> at all um, because I feel it's very limiting for an artist and uh, you can, you know, you find yourself crowd pleasing, you find yourself meandering because you don't know what it is you want to do. So I kind of try to chase everything as aggressively as I can. It's kind of funny. You actually mentioned the, you know, working in a different realm when you're working with Dr. Dre and with John, something I've actually I was going to ask this later on, but it, I mean, it kind of yeah. flows really good right now. You know, something that I've kind of, I've often wondered and have kind of said, because I have friends who are kind of in, in band realm as well as like the hip hop world itself. And I always kind of say like, I don't, it's so interesting, the different avenues, because I feel like potentially with being a band, you know, you got to get together, you got to write music, you got to go out and perform. And I don't know if like playing shows is the way to get fans or if it's kind of going the hip hop route where you can like just sit in a fucking studio and create and create and create and create and like get more content out in a quicker manner. If that's the easier way to get like to get uh to get further along in your career, or if it actually is harder because there's an oversaturation, I guess really in either realm. But mm. I've often kind of wondered with you being one of the few people I can think of who did it, you know, being in a band, getting in a room with guys and creating and then going to play shows and then now kind of going down this road with bad channels or just creating content. Do you think that there's one way that's a little bit easier over the other or do they both just kind of have their own similar uh, pitfalls kind of as to, you know, how you can get your thing out there? Yeah, I mean, I think that you raise a few really good points. Uh, I think that it kind of works in both worlds uh, the same way i think that shows eventually become a necessity or a vehicle to communicate your message to a broader audience and 
Um, I think that that's apparent in both worlds. Um, I think that the rock leans itself a little more at earlier stages Mm -hmm. um, for success. Maybe when you haven't developed your sound quite as much or quite as far along as maybe you should be before you get in front of people and start communicating your, you know, what it is that you're doing. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's a a right or a wrong way, but they, they definitely both require a different finesse and understanding of the worlds that they represent. Right. It's just always kind of interesting. Like I think of like someone like Drake or Lil Wayne or really anyone on, on young money and such. And it's like, you kind of get oversaturated with them, but it's like, you're, you're kind of like got to respect the hustle. Cause it's like, well, I mean, they're putting in the work, they're getting on tracks. They're like not saying no, you know, when it doesn't, when it makes sense to kind of do something. And it's like, I mean, Drake has how many fucking songs in the top 20, 20 top 40. <laughs> and it's like, that just kind of goes to show that it's like, you know, you can, your tireless work ethic kind of, gets rewarded a little bit more it seems in the hip-hop world because like if you're willing to grind harder than everybody else you can kind of rise above because other where other people are sleeping and i guess that kind of also is the same in any any musical genre but like i said when you're able to not have to wait on a specific like your friends to come up with the music if you're a vocalist and you could just go to producer another producer another producer another producer and just have stuff fed to you it can feed your creativity i feel like in a different way and allow you to put out more stuff but yeah i yeah i mean i think that you have a few good points there i would also say that um it really depends on your aim you know when like for instance like when i would write band albums you would write an album a year an album two years and that's what you know if you want to talk in business terms that's what the market demanded of you right uh the hip-hop market is much more demanding it's much more fluent it's much more conducive to the 24-hour news cycle which is probably why it's so predominantly popular at this point um there's yeah there's a lot of interesting avenues i guess you know that you can go thought wise yeah. There. Um, I, I really personally love, um, so with bad channels, I'm also, uh, you know, a multi-instrumentalist. So when I do bad channel stuff and that's kind of what I've been doing over the last year, year and a half is really focusing on the musical aspect of what it is that I do. That's always been the most appealing part of this whole thing to me, um, is music. I think that gets lost so fast, so quick. Um, so Working on it the past year and a half, things like that, building that has really become my prime focus. And it really gave me the rewarding feeling of, hey, I'm putting in work and I'm actually growing as a person, not just growing in numbers. Right. It's it's kind of funny because like with, with the Bad Channel stuff, you put out an EP, uh, YDMFL, and surprisingly and again i don't know how much of this is just the fact that i'm here in michigan so it seems like you know when a local artist such a i consider yourself a local artist to me because you're still here in michigan more or less and in thinking about the the ep like i remember when it came out it seemed like you know a lot of people were like check out this ep check out this thing check out bad channels but it kind of seemed like friends i have that don't live here in michigan kind of didn't even know it existed so I, i don't really think i've ever heard you be able to talk much about that EP at all or, or kind of the, the themes and such going on. Cause to me, when I listened to it, I, I really enjoyed kind of it, 
something I kind of love about like good hip hop and so forth is is I love the lyrics and I love you know someone like Tupac who can you know put out a club banger but then also put out something like you know Dear Mama and so forth and I feel like what was interesting about your EP was like it seemed like it was in a poppy way talking about some of the shit that you had been going through leading up to this record and I feel like the sound on it is kind of in and of itself its own thing because I feel like the newer stuff you're doing is, is a more cinematic feel to it than than what this record or this EP was so I'm kind of wondering if you maybe want to talk a little bit about that EP since I, I don't think I've really seen you or heard you be able to kind of talk about it very much yeah well first the the two worlds will collide um you know I've always been a very eclectic artist any band I've ever been a part of has a, a very eclectic um catalog uh some people like to find a niche and just pound it, you know what I mean? Yeah. And just do the same song or the same record maybe 10 times and then die. I, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I, I do not want to do that. I want to be an artist. I want to grow. You know, eventually I want to do soundtracks. I want to do symphonies. I want to I just create. That's definitely music. where it seems like your your new stuff is leaning more like uh, scoring, I guess would be a better term. Yeah, yeah and, I, and I love that. But I'm trying to find currently – a middle ground and i think i have of actually both voicings so when the ep was written it was a collection of demos basically that i had jumped into um in right at the end of chiodos okay so and i started i started to work with eric ron we started to build these things um, you know, these, these songs and these demos, and we were just experimenting with the sound, seeing, you know, what kind of voicings I could do, um, how I could grow as a singer, um, as opposed to just kind of blowing it out, but really controlled, very focused and very thinned out specific voicing and delivery that connected with the listener in a way that would seem and feel like an evolution. And I think we did a great job of that. I think that that's what you're referring to with the voicings of it. Yeah. Um, so my problem with the demos, I love, I love the EP so much and, and I love Eric and I love the whole experience. But my problem was that I didn't feel enough with the songs. Okay. They came across as pop songs and I'm a very emotive person. You know, I'm very, you know, kind of emotively driven when I write songs. That's kind of my therapy. You know what I mean? I write songs to kind of just get those bad feelings out, the anxiety, the whatever it is. Um, and that's kind of the part that I've been focusing on was the sound design aspect. The The vocal voicings will be a mixture of both the cinematic and leanings of kind of what it is that I've done previous mm-hmm. and the direct voice. So there there will be a melting pot of it all eventually. <laughs> it's it's kind of interesting, like I said, because like going from the EP to some of the like Blue Abyss and uh, mm-hmm. everything that you've been putting out, it's like... It was, it's kind of funny you said it. I didn't I couldn't put it into a words like what I was I was like it's so weird like how how different these two things are and I wasn't sure if like it was like okay that was one thing and bad channels is just gonna constantly be like well this is bad channels as it was at this time and in, in date now it's gonna be you know this other thing oh that's too uh, like, confusing <laughs> well it, you know totally. it, I get it though yeah it, well it's interesting though because I mean someone and you know I'm sure the, the comparisons to this are gonna be vast but 
it reminds me a little bit of like how the weekend started off. Like when you go from something like Kissland to the trilogy to, you know, like kind of go through his career, like there was little things happening and like kind of a, a stamp of the sound of that he had at that time and the people he was working with or the stuff he was making himself to then kind of where he is now where like, I'm not really a fan of a lot of the shit he's doing now. And I kind of want it to go back to where it is. So it's, but it's, it's, he has different, themes kind of going on in his music and different elements to it and so what i'm kind of waiting for is sort of like a little mix of everything like the really poppiness of everything but mixed mm. with like some of that throwback shit from like Kissland. and so yep. like it was funny when i was listening to your stuff i was like i wonder if there's going to be something that ties like blue abyss style to you know the ydmf or dfmo soon and, and if you're kind of like working toward that or if this is just going to always be like a snapshot of where you were and what you were influenced by like at that specific time yeah, I think that's a really good, really, I mean, that you're, you're very smart. It's, it's good. <laughs> it's, <you laughs> I know, sometimes it's, think it's, I, I look way too much into these things. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I don't think enough people look uh, deep enough, to be honest. Um, so I think that that's great. And I think you're dead on. Okay. Um, I have, I've been creating, I basically the last seven to eight months nonstop with new music um, and I have uh, an array of music that I am just kind of trying and uh, basically I'm trying to lay it out so it makes sense. So I, you know what I mean? To mm -hmm. people that don't dive as deep as you do. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, you can expect that. Um, the, the lyrical content mixed with the mood of the music is much heavier and much more... I think um, relatable and a lot less like background music that's just kind of fun and based on things like that, kind of like my first EP was. While I, you know, while I used it to express um, things I was going through, there was also a, an element of like of throwaway fun, of not overthinking, of of you know just using modern terms to kind of. Um, express an energy right um and the new stuff is much much um much heavier and much moodier so i think that that will co you know connect um because that was my frustration was that you know i was making you know i, I was very proud of of the initial ep but i feel like there wasn't a way for it to connect with my previous fan base at all. And that could ultimately, f you know, lead to a feeling of betrayal. And that's just not the case at all. You know what I mean? So I think this, this kind of approach that I've taken, I mean, I've, I've worked so, you know, tirelessly on this entire thing. Um, I think is going to connect in a way that is going to be understood, um, you know, widely. I'm, I'm very excited about it. Well, it's kind of interesting. You say that you're, with the the first EP that you were kind of thinking that maybe your fans wouldn't connect with it, just kind of, you know, as you were just saying. And something that, you know, has kind of always interested me, though, is that I feel like you're kind of a musical chameleon. Like, I mean, you put out, you did the stuff, obviously, in Chiodos, you've done the stuff in Drugs, uh, and... You know, really recent, not really recently, but pretty recently, you put out a grindcore record, mm -hmm. and then you know you're doing this stuff, and it's like if anyone doesn't know how diverse and all over the place you kind of are, then I don't 
it would be kind of weird to me like you know like i said when a lot of people were like oh this is so out of left field for him and i'm like is it really though like the grindcore record kind of seemed like it came out of nowhere because you were still in the midst of doing this and you're like hey here's this like 12 minute grindcore record i decided to do <laughs> and it was just like uh, okay like i don't know how you went from like doing doing bad channel stuff to then being like here's this thing but i feel like it's a lot of my thought like i think of things differently than what i'm supposed to in an industry that i am supposedly successful in well, i guess can um, i cut you off there for a second yeah though? yeah you're, of course you're Something that in doing a lot of these conversations with a lot of different people in, in different realms of the industry, it's always interesting that the ones who do the best are the ones that don't pay attention to it and just do their own fucking thing. And to me, That's it's like exactly you've, always, it you've always done that. Like, I mean, Chiodos at the time, like I was in a band here locally and played with bands that sounded like Chiodos when you guys were coming up. And it's like, that's our that's their thing. Like, there's already bands that are, like, now we're trying to copy this thing that you guys are doing. Don't do that. Like, let's do something else. And it seems like, you know, you have always been one, an artist and with a collection of friends, whether it be in a band or by yourself or with, you know, someone like John Connor that's that just does what they do. And you're doing your own thing. And so I always think it's kind of weird when people are like, well, this is what Craig is. And it's like, Craig isn't anything. Like, he's all these things. He's an, an accumulation of all these influences and styles that he likes. And does it on does his own thing to it. And to me, it's like I think it's interesting that a lot of people may sit there and say, like, oh, in an industry, you, you need to do these things. It's like, no, fuck that. I'm gonna do what I do. And either that's, you're gonna follow me or you're not. Yeah, I think that's 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 pretty much dead on. Um it it really has to do with artistic integrity in a way that it, it's like this personal I I guess just personal even integrity of you know, staying true to there's just there's nothing worse than getting on stage and feeling like you're doing a song and dance or singing someone else's songs or it 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 just um, you know if you're not going to do it your way, I, I just you're adding to the noise and and I don't want to <laughs> add to the noise. I want to help people cope that have to live through the noise. Right. Um. So yeah, I mean. The grindcore record was was made in two days. I mean, I grew up listening <laughs> to Ed Gein. I grew up listening, right. you know, to Converge and and the Locust and Botch. Um, and I, you know, I love that stuff. Um, that was just my friend and I having fun. And it would have been a shame to not release it, but just because it doesn't go with the narrative of a brand, right? You know, I think, and I think that scares off some industry people that are just very afraid of of um selling a direct thing so yeah i think i think that the fact that you got it <laughs> makes me feel hope that other people out there understand um that if you're truly an artist and you succumb to that art then you will find yourself in an eclectic an eclectic field of of work eventually yeah, I, uh, you know, it's kind of didn't know necessarily if you also wanted to talk about this at all, but I mean, you talk about branding and stuff and right around the time you started this bad channels thing, you started cheer up kid clothing mm -hmm. and it seems like, you know, you kind of, I thought maybe there'd be more of a tie in between the clothing and, and the music. Um, and I've kind of been pleasantly surprised that as of now, it doesn't seem like there's been much of a tie in. So they are two separate entities, but 
what uh what has been the process like of starting up your own clothing brand and in a day and age kind of where a lot of musicians are, are kind of doing that like what do you what did you set out to do with yours and what do you think separates what you're doing from anything else that you know is out there well it's it's a very it's kind of a, a niche thing it's it's based on kind of a streetwear vibe mm-hmm. and a lot of it has to do with repurposing and custom items there's nothing that I hated more than going to a place and seeing someone that had the same shirt as I did. Or, you know, when I was coming up, I would wear a shirt and then I would, uh, a friend would have the same shirt like a week later or, you know, like it shows someone would wear. And it just, it felt like it was taking my individuality away. Yeah. So it's just another art form to express individuality. Where do you, where do you see it going lately i haven't seen you do like because i know on snapchat you like you were posting a lot of like making a handful of things you got yourself like a little press that's actually what i i work for a, a pretty big screen printing company that does shit for like Paxson and zoomies so like when you talk about people having the same shirt like we print like five thousand of them for people yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> so uh where, yeah, do you, where do you see yourself going with that uh that project this year yeah uh i think i'll just continue to make content you know like like we work really hard at it it's um you know it's it's uh, another form of expression and you know i one of the main reasons i wanted to do bad channels in the first place was to take away the branding from my name specifically you know like Is the thing that, that i signed the, the you Is know that why the, you would wear the ski mask initially in the beginning to kind of separate literally take the face away from yes, what people may that's, Exactly. I I want, I wanted to get to basically say like goodbye to preconceptions, you know, no, no, no precon, no preconceiving here. It's focus on the aesthetic, focus on the art, but don't focus so much on the character. You know what I mean? That the, you know, because there's a human being behind that character, I guess. Um, and just the self-parading in general is kind of a turnoff to me. So, um, but tying it back in with, you know, doing that with bad channels, it's, it's kind of a way to just really express individuality and, and kind of communicate some of these um, specific feelings that maybe others can relate to. That's why I feel like the custom pieces with Cheer Up Kid kind of tie in so well um, with what it is that I'm doing. So a lot of the new stuff um, from Cheer Up Kid has bad channels, quotes on it, um, different variations, interpretations of the art and so on. And then kind of speaking a little bit more to a grassroots approach to when bad channels kind of came out, something I noticed used to do again on your Snapchat, and I don't think I really have seen you do it in the last little bit, but it wouldn't surprise me with you working so much is, you know, you used to play like these kind of like secret shows and, and just kind of like connect with your fans and, and do, I think they were like pizza parties in the park or something like that. Now I would literally like, so growing up, I heard rumors of alkaline trio playing parties for $200. <laughs> and I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. And when I would sit down, you know, uh, me and some of the guys in Chiodos, Brad specifically, we would, that was kind of like our aim, you know, we just wanted to be able to 
perform for people in that kind of environment. Um, so I just took it upon myself, you know, I found myself on tour and I'm, I've always kind of been, you know, I try to make myself really available at shows. So I would always go out and I'd end up playing by the trailer with my acoustic or something. And what I loved about it was the, the connectivity that, that was present there. It was, it was a direct way to share the song in its original form. Um, you know, a lot of the songs that I would play started out on the acoustic. So showing up and just hanging out, I would literally play, I mean, I played living rooms, parks, um, boardwalks, uh, in Portland. I literally, um, in the hotel pool had like my feet in the pool while everybody was around (laughs) it. Um, it's just a way to kind of communicate um, with people directly um, and kind of cut out the the business or the industry part. Um, right. And there's nothing worse than an acoustic show through monitors to me. It just it just doesn't. I don't think the instrument was. I think it's more organically created. Right. Do you see yourself maybe su- surprise releasing a uh, like an acoustic-y, maybe singer-songwriter thing, like maybe like a City in Color-esque kind of thing down the road? Uh, probably not. No? Probably <laughs> not. No. I. Whenever I try to do that, it comes out folk, and it comes out weird, <laughs> and <laughs> it doesn't quite connect the way that I want to. Um, yeah, my – I mean – I I only plan on doing bad channels stuff from here on out. I if if there are other projects or something like that, then it'll probably be one-off random fun things like like for instance, I had recorded another BCP maybe last summer. Uh-huh. Um but stuff like that and and if it does, it shouldn't be taken too seriously. Right. <laughs> it's um it's more for an outlet and for fun cuz i like i don't understand why more artists just don't make the records they want to make and release them i just i i'll never understand that if you know if if you want to make art and you want to make music then why aren't you always doing that um i think it's 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 always been about the music for me and i i just really want you know, have always wanted to kind of be understood in that way. Right. Kind of speaking, last few questions and wrapping up. Yeah. Uh, speaking to creating music, you, I think I had read somewhere that you created when you did, uh, you worked at the Wonderland Avenue and that mm-hmm. place is just like steeped in history of all kinds. Um, what's it like making music or creating something that has just its own vibe and potentially, is there any other places that are like that, maybe, that you would like to go go work in and see, like, what, you know, inspired, like, what you get inspired to do based on, you know, the, the vibe of the place itself? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, I think that every single place you create finds a way into the creation. I, I think that you can hear everything. I think if you listen, you know, I think that there's a reason that there are overtones of the Dayton family and Chiodos that are similar, you know, it, I mean, there's a reason Detroit artists sound like Detroit artists, you know? Um, and so every single location you create in finds its way into your art, whether you want it or not. And whether you're aware of it or not, there's a reason LA stuff sounds like LA stuff. Um, (laughs) you know, in, in New York, the same thing. 
So I think it's very reflective of your surroundings. Um, you know, art is a very sponge-like and then squeeze out kind of experience. And um, I think that Wonderland was the perfect place. Um, I, I worked with my friend Elliot, 50 Grand, on that song, and or uh, on Blue Abyss specifically, and we actually made an entire uh, collection of music there. Um, and you can hear the tones. Uh, it, it it is fascinating to me uh, how how much the location of the place kind of influences the music. Um, and as far as other other places where I would enjoy doing that, I mean, I've always wanted to get like a cabin in Maine and write or record something. Um, yeah. Other than that, nothing sticks out to me specifically. It's, it's usually those things present themselves um, and present themselves in the right timing. And then you either act on it or you and miss or, or you don't, and you kind of miss out on an opportunity um, to kind of grow, I guess. Very interesting. I've always kind of wondered. Actually, a few people I've had on, uh, we've talked about like working at the like Papa Rocha at Dave Buckner when they was talking about the uh, Paramore sessions that they did and all that kind of shit. So it's like we've kind of discussed a little bit about uh, working in places that kind of are haunted or the vibe of the place and if it you know permeates into the music that you're currently making. So I figured mm -hmm. I would ask you about that. Um, yeah. Kind of speaking, I think if you hear Blue Abyss, if if you listen to Blue Abyss, you can you can feel the energy. That's what it feels like to be on Wonderland Avenue in you know in Laurel Canyon. Yeah, no, through. I mean, I have a pretty decent pair of headphones, and I was just kind of like, oh, it's really eerie sounding. <laughs> it's almost like you get like if you were to hear this like in a movie or whatever, you'd be like, Ooh, there's something yep. like back of the hairs on the back of my neck stood up. That's um, how I felt the entire time. Awesome. Um, you were talking about, you know, kind of doing one-off things, you know, if it presented itself or made sense for you. And kind of speaking to that, uh, there's a video that surfaced in the last handful of months at this point of you when you performed at Emo Night. And, you know, a few people obviously were expecting you to play a Chiodo song, the, the Baby You Wouldn't Last a Minute in, on the Creek. And what was interesting to me is when I finally gave it a listen a couple of days ago, because I, I hadn't seen it until then, is I was like, it's almost like... This is like a bad channels version of mm. Geodos. And I don't know if anyone else will pick up on that or it was just like, oh, here's an interesting You are so smart. It is so refreshing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's, it gets you... borderline obnoxious, I'm sure, after a while. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? For me, too, I understand. Um, it, it, um, yes, that's, that's exactly right. That, that is exactly right. Um, I have been fascinated, um, specifically with bad channels in the sound design, like I mentioned a few times, the combination of organic and electronic music, the combination of it really is a fascinating thing to me. The, the, and I've been searching for that perfect spot in between. Um, and I feel like I keep getting close and keep getting close. So um, it definitely has... Um, that leaning to it and it was definitely a hinting you know of of some sort so i i love that you you caught up on it what i was i was almost wondering if it was more a thing and i don't think you mentioned this i i mean it kind of picks up like as a song starting so maybe there's like a preamble to it but i wasn't sure if the thing was like okay like a lot of people are here and they know me from chiodos so let me kind of get a new flavor on on this song and if people dig it i'll be like well if you dig this 
this is kind of what I'm doing now. Go check this shit out. And so yeah. I kind of like a, almost like a promotional, like a, an easy way to like make it digestible for those who may not. If you were like, well, this is what I'm doing. And people be like, no, I don't, I don't know. think I'd like that. And it's like, well, did you like this? Yeah, I loved it. Okay. Well, this is pretty much what I'm doing now. So you're going to like this. Yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily think of it like, like um, in like the promotional aspect, no. <laughs> no, no, it no, was more, it was more, the musicality aspect. I yeah. think that there, you know, there are a lot of kind of stereotypes when it comes to the um, avant-garde side of hip hop. Like, uh, you know, people like Kendrick get acclaim for the music being so eclectic, but there are also a, a lot of really, really talented um, hip hop producers and, and people just making electronic me, you know, kind of organic music. Um, so I wanted to communicate musicality. That was my goal with that performance was musicality that it's not all about the, the kind of image that, that musicality really takes, um, takes you, it, it can take you where it is that you need to go, you know, to get fulfillment from, you know, the set song that you're, you're listening to. And for the reason that, you know, you are listening. Uh, I mean, that's our job as artists is to make people feel. Um, and you know, that's, that's kind of what the goal of that was, was to make them understand and feel the musicality and the message. And I feel like my friend Chaz, um, who's also, uh, an artist named Madoka. Um, he he was the one playing piano. He he really helped kind of bring that to life, and then the quartet did an amazing job. Actually, I, I kind of lied. I just came up with a question that I thought of when going through your SoundCloud channel. Yeah. So in listening to your SoundCloud uh, channel or playlist or whatever you want to call it, I don't know what the exact term is, but yeah, that's okay. It seems like you have done a really good job of curating not only your own music but music that either. It's almost like an artist collective. It feels like that's exactly what it is. Okay, <laughs> that's why I that's why I love SoundCloud and I love that kind of music so much is because it is a community. We share tricks, production tricks. We share musical tricks. We we support each other. We post you know each other's songs. Um, and I've been lucky enough to kind of come across these these amazing artists that really do things that I wish I could do. And it's been a minute since I felt that. Um, and it's very, very exciting to me um, to be able to work with them and get to know them. You know, it's kind of like when I guess I first started out in a band and all of a sudden I started touring with idols, you know, like people you grew up listening to. You want to get to know them. You want to find out how they were able to create some of your favorite pieces. And now I am currently in that phase where I'm working with, you know, 50 grand is my favorite artist. So being able to do Blue Abyss was life-changing for me. Um, and, and I mean that, not, not in like a six months, I love this person way, but like, I mean, he really, <laughs> Elliot really showed me some things in music that I had been missing, this connectivity to it. Um, this, this honest approach to it. Um, and you know, for that, I'll just be forever grateful. So anywhere I can learn, I will learn anywhere I can go to grow. I will do it. That's awesome. I don't think a lot of people 
utilize SoundCloud, I think, in that that regard as far as building a, a curated playlist for not only their own music, but maybe what inspires them or what other people maybe should take a chance and, and listen to. I know there's been a few artists that I found through sifting through that over the last couple of days, and I was like, oh, man, I'm really digging this. Like, it's good to, like, work work uh, kind of music and shit. Yeah, it's 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 the progressive. I mean, it's just it's it's the progression of music as really. I mean, it's just a different facet of it. And then uh, this is where I will – I'll actually ask you two, the last two questions for sure. Um, yeah. Socials, where can people find you? And actually plug your Snapchat because I think uh, unlike a lot of people, I think you actually do a good job of providing a uh, a different social media presence on there than, than most people typically do. Oh, thank you. Uh, social media just stresses me out. I never know what to say. <laughs> My life's never as perfect as people want it to. I just I never know what to do. Um, so Instagram is just bad X channels. Um, that's kind of where I'm most active these days. Um, Snapchat is Craig Blowens, which is a nickname <laughs> that was given to me when I was like in like sixth grade as a joke. <laughs> um, uh, actually from Brad from Chiodos, I called him Bradley Baloney and he called me Craig Blowens. Um, <laughs> then my Twitter is just my name, Craig Owens. And check out, I mean, I encourage people to get on SoundCloud and check it out. And that's Bad bad X Channels as well. And then I always like to end these with a song. So what would you like me to end it out to and maybe give a little explanation as to why you chose it? Yeah. Uh, let's do Don't Come and See Me. Okay. Um, Don't Come and See Me was a a almost witch, a little bit of a witch house, a little bit of a Bjork-inspired song that, um, is basically me explaining my life at the moment of, of, uh, real life, you know, uh, kind of Dorian Gray experience of coping with the death of my youth and being born into adulthood. <laughs> yeah. As you, I think we're about roughly the same age and I say that all the fucking time on this podcast, but, uh, <laughs> I definitely know there's been like, if you've ever seen inside out, like I remember, having like a really like epiphany moment like when uh have you seen that movie yeah of course yeah so when bing bong when he like realizes he has to give himself up spoiler alert uh and you're just like fuck that's like the oh my god that's like the loss of innocence and and all this shit and like i just kind of thought about like how profound in a movie in a kid's movie like how profound this this sentiment was and i was like fuck god this hits me in the feels right now and i just like remember like kind of like getting all choked up about it because i was like man like you don't think about these things because like as you become older you know you don't have the imagination you did in the pureness of being a child and so forth and not and unless you work at it yeah yeah that, and so that, like that movie i i made it i feel like halfway like three times and i just had to like <laughs> like walk yeah. away and breathe it was like too heavy i'm like uh i i watch movies to like escape this part of my mind like this is too much yeah it was <laughs> it was kind of a mind fuck like my wife and i and i just looked over at her and i was like she's gonna see me crying and be like what a bitch and then she was like <laughs> i had some like glassy eyed shit going i was like Oh man, this is so I profound. Know, what me. the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> well, Craig, thank you again for taking the time. Actually, I'm going to recommend this because I don't know if you're familiar with this person, but as I was listening to a lot of this stuff on your playlist and uh, in general, the bad channel stuff, I was thinking you might either really dig this person mm -hmm. or you already know about him and fucking love him. But Imogene Heat. Oh yeah. I mean, <sighs> one of my biggest inspirations always, I think that's where the avant-garde inspiration yes. comes okay. from. It's like a mixture of that and my obsession with Radiohead and Johnny Greenwood and, and, um, Bjork and, 
and James Blake and just, you know, just really good kind of almost borderline ethereal artists yeah. that find a way to communicate directly yet still maintain the mood yes. of of what it is that they're trying to communicate. Yeah, I was just listening to the newer Imaging Heap record and there's a song, I think it's like track five or six on it. And it literally is just her kind of like talking like stream of conscious, like about her day, like almost like to a spouse. And like, yes. And you're just like, how is this so like amazing and so mundane at the same time? Like, I just, oh, this truth. is so brilliant. It's truth. The it's truth so doesn't brilliant. have to be fancy in order for it to connect. And, that's what's um, so beautiful about it yeah and it's so funny because like i've told so many people about about her or mainly the frau frau record like which i just saw came out on vinyl and i think i missed my my opportunity to get it and uh and people are like frau frau imaging heap i'm not aware and i'm like oh my god do that. yourself yeah i love that do yourself a favor and go and then uh, another one was actually uh richie amagata is another like artist i, I really have admired for a long time that i i think uh if you're not familiar she's kind of in that weird sort of in like the I can think of a handful of artists that she reminds me of. Like, there's a song that goes very Fiona Apple-ish. Oh, uh, one of my favorite artists ever. But I then goes Fiona into Apple. a very poppy chorus out of nowhere, back into this like Fiona Apple, like moody, angsty verse. Cool. And you're just what, like, what's it called? Uh, the record I'm talking about is uh, Rachel Yamagata. It's uh, the album that I'm thinking of off the top of my head, though, is Happenstance. It's about 10 years old now. But That's awesome, though. Yeah, it doesn't. Uh, time, music is timeless. It, and we she, we like to categorize it, but it isn't. It isn't categorized that easily. But it was kind of weird because I, I feel like you. I feel like you kind of tend to lean maybe more toward a female vocalist or, or ethereal style vocalist, and I think uh, perhaps the, those would be two if you weren't familiar with them already too that you might actually dig. Yeah, so, thank you very much. So That's since awesome. you gave me I some music, it. some new music I got into in the last couple of days, I thought I would reciprocate it and be like, "Yo, check That's these great. out." That's great, and and keep spending time on like SoundCloud and listening to a lot of these like artists and, and producers. I think you'll find some really amazing up and coming people that are doing some pretty phenomenal stuff. Just you know, out of their bedrooms. Yeah, well, I mean, that's where I hosted my podcast because I was like, there's a collection of people, and perhaps maybe people will find it. So I, that was like my reasoning behind it. But it seems like a lot of people shit on SoundCloud, and I'm like, why? Uh, it's because of the the preconceptions of uh, some of the representatives that have come up. Right. I think, you know, like you see the memes with basically everybody thinking, yeah, like Ronald McDonald is like, you know, pretty much like (laughs) what everybody thinks. But there are a lot of very, very talented artists that got their start there um, that are trying to cross over, but they get kind of categorized in that SoundCloud way. And um, it's a shame because they're, they're really, really talented. Yeah, well, again, I didn't mean to keep you for an extra, like, 15 minutes. But, no, uh, no sweat. Thank you again for uh, taking the time, and hopefully we'll see you around these parts and uh, enjoy your trip out to Dallas or Houston. Thank you very much. Yeah, enjoy the rest of your night. Thank you. Bye. So that was my conversation with Craig Owens of Bad Channels. Uh, really interesting look into the process of the project itself, uh, talking about different tracks. The EP, which, you know, as I said in the interview... Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of press, really, for it. So, I mean, I, I, it's an album that I kind of enjoy. And I do kind of agree with Craig. I think uh, it's sort of like the beginning process of what Bad Channels is and isn't necessarily where it is currently as far as the sound and style. But I think what I'm looking forward to is figuring out how Craig can marry that sound from the EP to what he's been doing currently. And I think once he does that, I think you're going to get to have a really fun 
experience as a listener, being able to go to that first EP, going to what he's been doing now, finding that middle ground, and kind of just getting a, a really interesting, full-on perspective of what Bad Channels is. Um, I also think, interestingly enough, too, I think that Bad Channels is kind of almost, like I said, an artist collective. I, I, I look at it like that because of it having such a strong presence on SoundCloud and the fact that Craig takes the time to curate a playlist that is ever-evolving on, on the SoundCloud link of his. Uh, and it's it's just kind of refreshing to see someone take the time to put forth in making their music and making sure it is what they want while also not being afraid to say that, you know, like, hey, this was kind of... It's what I wanted to do at the time, but I realized it was kind of a misstep, and I've kind of figured out what I what I like about it and where I want to take it. Um, and even just admitting that, you know, he's, he's looking for the middle ground between the two and hasn't thinks he's found it, but, you know, he's still working on it. Because, you know, sometimes when you do these interviews or you read interviews with band people, they make it just sound so fucking effortless. Like, oh, yeah, you know, I just, you know, it's just this, this sound is... The sound just came to be because, you know, I made it, and... As someone who, you know, admittedly is a, a rather pedestrian musician myself, uh, I've always kind of been uh, in awe of people who are able to just apparently fart out great music. You're like, holy shit, like, how do you fucking do this? Uh, one of my old roommates was that way. He could write, he would write a full song, and you're like, damn, the, like, the hooks on that, like, just musically, no vocals, no nothing are just insane, like, holy shit, like, this is heavy, it's got heavy parts, it's got hooky parts, like, it's just really good, and then he'd be like, nah, nah, I'm scrapping that, I'm only taking this one idea, this one riff out of this, this song that I've spent the last, like, week on, yeah, I'm just gonna scrap it and start over, and it's like, I've seen, to see, like, people that talented, it kind of fucking sucks because you're like, I struggle to, like, write anything. Like, maybe, like, a, a, a three-chord riff that, like, sounds cool and, and whatever. Like, I may spend, like, a month fucking just going back and forth with something. And it's one of those things, like, when you see people who are just innately that talented, it kind of pisses you off. Uh, so to hear that Craig, you know, admittedly says that, you know, he's he's still figuring some of this shit out and, you know, he's as good as he is and is, has had the success that he has had. It's a little refreshing to hear how honest it is. Um, I don't mean to laugh about it. It's just, you know, like I said, I think any musician who, who has been in, in that boat where you've watched people just pick up something, write stuff that you you couldn't even fathom writing uh, and then just watching them dismiss it is is always kind of like a... You know, like, you're shitting on your talents, goddammit. Um, but yeah, that, that was a really fun chat. Uh, there's nothing really to... I don't think there's really anything, like, you know, anything that you're going to find that you're like, wow, you know, this this bold statement or anything like that. It wasn't, like, a profound interview or anything, but I think it was just a fun, honest chat and, and a great look into what Bad Channels is and what Craig is has been doing and what he wants to do with the project. And sometimes just how easily these things can flow shocks me uh i mean more or less these are in essence strangers um that i've not talked to and it uh it always kind of surprises me when something just kind of clicks um i don't know if that you know speaks to how professional the the guest is and in having done these they're able to to make the person like myself feel more at ease to to have the conversation or, or what but uh 
yeah, I uh, I thoroughly enjoyed this chat. I, I was kind of a little nervous about it going in, but I think uh, it was really good, and I really enjoyed the time, like I said, several times, really enjoyed the time that Craig gave me. Uh, it was a little bit more than I was supposed to get, but uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. I'm uh, interested to see, though, as of the time that I'm recording this, Craig is currently heading to Texas to do another emo night, so I'm interested to see if he ends up re- imagining another Chiodo song uh, in a style more similar to the one that he did for you, Baby You Wouldn't Last a Minute on the Creek. Uh, if so, I, I'm, I'm definitely interested to see how he reimagines, you know, another potential Chiodos classic uh, in a different form. I always think it's great when artists are able to take something that's so well known in their catalog of music and strip it down and rearrange it to be a completely different animal, almost in some instances more vulnerable. Um, you know, because like with a band like Chiodos, there's, there's a lot of moving parts. So when you're able to strip it down like that, it, uh, it gets very interesting. And I, I think, you know, as Craig was saying, that's, that's kind of the music and style that he's kind of in anyway, just more about the vocal and, and stripping everything down to be more intimate. So as a result of that, I think it's... Uh, I'm very much looking forward to whatever ends up coming out of this emo night, and hopefully it ends up making its way onto the internet uh, for us to hear. Speaking of the internet... You can follow Craig slash Bad Channels across various social media platforms. If you would like to follow Bad Channels, you can do such across most platforms. Uh, Facebook and Instagram are simply at Bad X Channels. Uh, if you would like to follow Craig on Twitter, it's at Craig Owens. And if you would like to follow him on Snapchat, which is, if you have it, I highly recommend you actually follow Craig. He does a pretty interesting way of using that platform in a way that I don't think a lot of other artists do. Um, he kind of gives you a small glimpse into what he's doing, uh, things he's into, uh, you know, listening to different SoundCloud artists, different artists, and, and, and pushing them. Uh, and I always find it a, a good follow. I mean, it's nothing, you're not going to see any crazy shit on it, but it's always an interesting follow. And I've always thought, you know, it kind of gives you a small peek into the creative process, typically as he's kind of going through his day, creating music or so forth. Um, but yeah, his Snapchat name, as you heard, is uh, Craig Blowens. Uh, B-L-O-W-E-N-S. And another huge reason to follow him on, on another social platform, really go to the SoundCloud page. Uh, just simply look on SoundCloud for Bad Channels, or you can Google Bad Channels SoundCloud uh, if you aren't sure how to really use SoundCloud. Some people aren't. Um, but interestingly enough, I've been kind of just skipping past the Bad Channel songs, actually, uh, and just kind of letting whatever the curated playlist kind of that he's created go. Um I'm kind of finding that I'm I'm slowly getting to some stuff uh, within the, the different realms of, of different styles that Craig's got on here. And some stuff like, you know, I'm like, eh, that was kind of too minimalistic for me, or this was a little too busy. I, you know, but there's been a handful of things that I've kind of walked away from really enjoying. Uh, and, you know, and as Craig said, you know, with uh, one of the artists that he found through soundcloud he ended up collaborating with um and then that's kind of the great thing about soundcloud and and i guess the internet as a whole is that you know you can have access to so many different artists and they don't have to be you know people that a label is pushing on you it can be you know someone who's doing something very much like myself right now where i'm sitting in an office quote unquote uh in my house recording this and it's just kind of crazy to see to find so many content creators and so many amazing artists who are just creating this this awesome music and simply doing it out of their own house uh in most instances so uh definitely check out bad channel soundcloud 
uh, on SoundCloud. It's a very, very interesting curated playlist. Uh, I don't even think I've scratched the surface of all the different artists that are on there, uh, which is kind of awe-inspiring and just kind of shows the dedication and love of music that Craig has that, you know, <laughs> you can just fall down the rabbit hole that he's created for you over there. Uh, speaking of following, though, if you would like to follow our partner, Mosh Pit Nation, you can at moshpitnation.com. Uh, lots of reviews going up. We are posting a lot of the festivals that are coming up and about. Uh, there is a new festival actually coming out in Mansfield, Ohio, the Ink Carceration Festival. It actually takes place at the prison where Shawshank Redemption was filmed, uh, a movie my wife still has not seen, although, to be fair, I've not seen Goonies. So the collective gasp that you all just had right there between <laughs> films that my wife and I have not seen that are seminal... Uh, it's fine. We have somehow made it 33 years without uh, without seeing either of those movies collectively, and uh, I think we'll be fine. Um, but I'm really hoping to go. Uh, the team over at Adrenaline PR are heading up the festival this year. Uh, there's a lot of good cross-section of bands actually playing between bands like kind of more legacy bands like uh, Lit and Alien Ant Farm to some of the newer bands like 68, uh, Seven Dust is on it, Day to Remember, Bush. Um, just a wide ranging of rock and hard rock bands and a little something for everybody, as well as it being a tattoo festival as well, hence the ink, I-N-K, uh, in incarceration. Uh, I'm really hoping to potentially get to cover the festival uh, between talking to tattoo artists and talking to bands. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen, but I got my fingers crossed, and hopefully, regardless, uh, maybe my wife and I will make the trek just to go, uh, As seeing as the tickets really aren't that expensive for a three-day festival, and there's a lot of bands that we, we actually enjoy, so um, it's always kind of weird when you go to some of these festivals. Typically, there's like, you know, between the three days or two days at a festival, maybe it might be like, well, I like the headliner and like one band playing, and then it's a lot of stuff that I'm kind of eh about. Uh, but this seems like it'll be a pretty stacked lineup uh, full of great bands throughout the whole day. Uh, and uh, I'm hoping that I get to cover it and bring you some, some interviews from some of those bands uh, that are on it. And speaking of more socials, again, uh, Moshpit Nation, you can follow them at moshpitnation.com. That's actually the, the home to this podcast uh, is on the, the website. Uh, Facebook, Moshpit Nation West MI. Uh, capital M-I for Michigan, and you can follow them simply on Twitter and Instagram at Mosh Pit Nation. If you would like to follow me, you can on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Johnson's Title Podcast. Stay connected with me, communicate with me over there. Uh, if you would like to tweet at me, you can at Johnson's Title Pod, and you can email me at Pod at gmail.com. Interestingly enough, speaking of the, the various socials and so forth, um, with it being festival season, Warp Tour just announced its last lineup. Uh, interestingly enough, too, there was a meme going around when it's like you get really excited about the, the Warp Tour lineup only to see that most of the bands are playing select dates, a handful of dates. There's only a handful that are actually playing the full tour, uh, one of which being one of my favorite bands, Every Time I Die. Uh, it was no secret that they were playing this year. They always play every other year. Uh, so this was a, the other year for them, and I couldn't think of another band that really is kind of fitting to play the last date of the full run. Um... I will definitely be going. I pretty much have never missed a Warp Tour year that ETID is on. Uh, the last handful of years, uh, we, my wife and I have just gone in general. And actually, I think the more fun thing we did was this past year when we went to uh, out of state to go see it. And we're eyeballing doing the same this year just because it kind of creates a different vibe and so forth. Uh, I think uh, this is going to be 
an interesting year. I'm, I'm interested to see if some of the people who went to the earlier Warped Tours kind of come out of the woodwork and you're going to see a lot more older fans coming out uh, as well as the younger kids that always permeate the the, the grounds where the Warped Tour takes place. Uh, I'm hoping that uh, a friend of mine, Frank Finelli, who was also on this podcast, one of my first guests, uh, I hope he gets to be on the tour. I know he has done really well busting his ass getting on the tour the last handful of years. Uh, him and his clothing company, Cat Clothing, cheap plug. Frank, cheap plug, send me a free fucking shirt or one of those new hoodies. <laughs> Maybe you'll give me a discount code. Uh, but either way, um, really looking forward to going to this year's Warp Tour. Kind of sad to see it come to an end as far as a full run. Uh, I am wondering, though, with it being Detroit, in general, usually being in Chicago, being really good dates for the tour. I'm kind of wondering if they're just going to do, you know, a couple of dates somewhere on the East Coast, Midwest, you know, West Coast. I feel kind of confident that, you know, I might get a date pretty close to me if they end up going that route with the tour um, or the festival, I should say. But it is kind of bittersweet to see it end. Um, I've had a lot of good times seeing a lot of different bands and, and so forth. And, uh, it's kind of weird to see the full run kind of end, but I think it speaks to the volumes of, of just kind of how the touring scene has kind of gone by the wayside and, and big festivals like that, you know, kind of aren't really working anymore. It needs to be more of a destination kind of a thing. And I think that's what we're going to see with this festival and, and a lot of these festivals. That's how the, uh, the Wimmer festivals have been going with, you know, the Carolina rebellions and the rock on the ranges and so forth. Um, so we'll see next year what a uh, work tour has to offer us. And without further ado, as we always do on this podcast, we end the episode out with a song. And as you heard Craig say, he wanted me to end it with Don't Come and See About Me by Bad Channels. This is an interesting song. Uh, it's one of the two that is kind of in the newer direction that the Bad Channels sound has taken uh, between this and, and Blue Abyss. And uh, yeah, I'm just really interested to to see where Craig takes the takes this this project. Uh, and I'm looking forward to some of the newer music. If it's definitely in this vein, I will, you know, really, I'll still really enjoy it. But uh, like I said, I'm kind of looking forward to that that middle ground between this and, and the old sound. So without further ado, this is Bad Channels with Don't Come and See About Me. Talk to you next week.
Follow me all the days of my